saw Moonrise Kingdom last night. It's good. How was it? It's fine. It is probably my least favorite Wes Anderson film. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you liked Darjeeling Limited, though. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. Man, wow, really? Yeah, it was nostalgic bullshit, in my opinion. I mean, it was fun. Here's the thing, actually. I really liked watching it, and it was really entertaining. And I thought it was charming as hell, and I thought the girl was fantastic. But I thought it was just sort of like, what does a 35-year-old man wish his childhood actually was that nobody's ever is? Like, it was just, like, it didn't have any of the sort of, like, painful honesty that any of his other movies do. The parents are the most interesting characters. The girl's parents are the most interesting characters. And then just aren't in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Sure. Like, you're just like, oh, well, Bill Murray and Francis McDormand are just going to be, I don't know. It just it felt like a children's tale to me, which I guess it was. But I, it's the movie you make when you're that age, and you get to the point where you're just nostalgic for a, a, rolled doll esque childhood. It felt like a rolled doll story to me. Didn't feel like a Wes Anderson story to me. But Most clearly, it was. The stories are just kind of crappy Kurt Vonnegut stories. So I disagree, what? though. <laughs> what? what? That's They're not Kurt Vonnegut. Sorry, <laughs> uh, J.D. Salinger. Jesus. But I mean. Uh, I still feel like when you watch Real Tenenbaums or you watch Darjeeling Limited or you watch The Life Aquatic, like he's telling he's you can see Wes Anderson processing personal relationships. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, this story is way more surface level. But and this just feels like him being like, you know, it'd be really great if kids had hilarious, perfect childhoods, even though they're orphans. <laughs> like yeah. it just felt like a fan. It felt way more like like entertaining fantasy to me as opposed to a movie where I was going to walk away and be like, man, I've been thinking about that one for a couple of days. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't expect it to be anything more than that. So I was, I don't know. Like I, st- I still think about some of the, I still think about like, I don't know. I thought there was like, cause his movies build all this artifice. And then the fun thing about a Wes Anderson film is there's like 30 seconds where it's pure. It's a really honest film and the artifice falls away and you see actually two characters have something that, Mm-hmm. It feels real, and I didn't ever that never that moment ever happened in no, Moonrise Moon Kingdom, movie. and it could have though. Like if at one time that girl would have said something to hurt that boy's feelings or made him feel insecure, had that happened one time, you'd have been like, okay, shit. That's fair. Like, ugh, anyway, I didn't see it. <laughs> it sucks. There's it was they're actually making a uh, THQ is making a video game mm. of it. Cool. Yeah, you just you're oh, gonna, so you'll play that. Yeah, yeah probably. You're just a kid in a canoe with a bow and arrow. <laughs> they dropped off. They, I heard bows were one of the real big deals. Bows are really big this year. Yeah, they didn't. They. I was uh, listening to um, uh, an interview with the EP on the Moonrise Kingdom license game. Uh-huh. Uh, it's being done at uh, Heavy Iron, and they said that the romance just didn't really make sense anymore from a gameplay perspective because they for they prototyped the game and it, they said it felt a lot this kind of like Ico but what people really responded to was the khaki scouts stuff they really liked all the khaki scout stuff so you get to be a khaki scout um, and you're in a, a canoe in a bow and arrow and you're actually hunting down uh, the kid who escapes Sam is that his name? Sam? Yeah. shit yeah uh, so oh, that's good sounds pretty good yeah it's good um, it's really good <laughs> yeah it seems great do you know platforms? Uh, all major platforms okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were originally. Um, they were like they, any kind of social tie-in on Facebook. Like, well, of course, there's Facebook Connect. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's like when you log in and play, it'll be like, oh, currently hunting down 
Sam. No, Shesky. no, but I mean, yeah. like, is there a Facebook game I can play now that'll like unlock stuff? Oh, oh, oh! In like, well, no, extra, it's funny. Is they really want? Whatever, they really but, wanted like, to do that. Uh-huh. So, but um, just they they wanted to be, they had to be day and date mm, with the movie. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of the social connectivity stuff got taken out, mm-hmm. and it's actually just. Um, like notifications and stuff. No, you just, it's just a, a, an arrow shooting standalone game on Facebook. Mm. So they're kind of bummed about that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Did That's you guys cool. all, did you guys all see brave? I did. Yeah. We talked about I didn't it. See, oh man, we're only two for three all the way. I haven't oh. seen brave. <laughs> we talked about, there is an actual brave game. game though. I know. I think Chuck wrote some of the dialogue for it. Yep. But brave man, those fucking blue smoke things out in the woods. The guys who are making the licensed video game for that I were know, like, fucking like, yes! Sweet, thank score. you! <laughs> this little wisp of blue smoke shows up that you're supposed to follow to find a thing that will change your fate. That happens inside the story of the Well, it's film. also just exactly like the breadcrumbs from Fable 2 or yeah. 3 or whatever game had those it's in it. like, would you like a quest marker? Yep. Here, we, it's in the story of the film, yep. so you're fine. Reach destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Achievement. Yeah. That movie was another case where, like, to me, the first... 20 or 30 minutes were just awesome. Like everything basically up to when Merida leaves, I thought was just fantastic. And then after that, yep. it's just, well, I guess they just made an animated kids movie. It's, it's funny because it. it feels like the stuff after that is the stuff that I think the people making the film were the most excited about because the, at least the guy who, the, the final director of that film, because he was like, it took so much work to pressure Disney marketing to not reveal acts two and three at all in any of the marketing assets. Mm. Like I'm super stoked that like, if you can't sell a film based on Act 1, you can't sell it at all. Like, oh, man, well, I was really sold on Act 1. I know, actually. me too, like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah. to me, the the trailer, like, the trailer they released for that film that was just the two-minute, almost uncut, just... Like her in the woods? Scene, Girl no, versus just bear? just the archery scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, That was just that. Was, to me, like, a stronger expression of the stuff I liked about that movie than the actual movie was. Yep. Like, that... Well, I, did you see the first teaser? It was just That's like it was bear? just like Misty Woods and her just riding alone on a horse, and the bear I, rears. Oh, up. I probably saw it. It was, yeah, so like, it was really just visually evocative. And then yeah. that second trailer, yeah, all the archery stuff had all like the stuff that was sort of thematically interesting. Yeah. But what's really interesting is all that other stuff that is just um, a Disney movie. That's just wacky chases. Yeah. <laughs> JP, I think, said uh, wacky chases are the combat gameplay of animated kids movies. That's which I true. Was pretty accurate. The entire like last half of Monsters Incorporated is just a yeah. wacky, it's well, a wacky chase. All Pixar movies is fucking wacky chase city. Like yeah. Ratatouille has at least two wacky chase scenes. The Incredibles entire finale is a wacky chase scene, and those movies are good. Well, I mean, they're good, but that's always the sometimes when you make animated films, like and I, like early on in the in the creative process, you have to ask yourself why should we make this an animated movie and not just a movie? Like, what about it being an animated film? is uh important to its existence like you know what i mean like right you could have like if 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 it doesn't have to be animated to exist and why even make it i think that question has been changed now to be because like the answer in old disney movies used to be there's fantastical creatures there's musical right and now now it's like what why do you make a computer animated movie and the answer is so a character can go sliding down a drain pipe at 80 miles an hour then do three flips and land on a boat like i think that's it seems like in a kind of an unfortunate question to have to ask though like i think that's a really limiting question i think that's why uh, most video games are are so dumb is because you put the cart before the horse and it's like well the things video games do are this but then it just ends up being the same as every other video game because they all just end up having you fight a million guys for a million hours like, obviously, you want to play to the strength of your medium, but I think by, like, 
putting that question at the forefront of the thing, I don't know. It just seems like you're potentially answering too well, many you're questions. Well, actually, I disagree. No, I disagree because, I mean, the well, thing is, I should rearticulate the question. The question you should be asking yourself is, how is this going to be better as an animated film or as a video game than it could be as anything else? And I don't think games ever ask themselves that question. I think, of course, we're just going to make the game, but it's like, what about the fact that it can be interactive, the fact that it can be systemic, the fact that it can be whatever is going to make it uniquely a video game. And I think the games that we often respond to have either implicitly or explicitly answered that question in their development. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a better way of putting it. Um, I guess, I guess what I was saying though, is that to me that sets up just a de facto, like, like someone directing a live action film would probably never ask themselves that at least not in that way, because you, well, because that's what I do. I'm a director of live action. I make movies. Like that's what I do. That's I'm good at it. I know how to express things in that form. Like, I don't think someone making a live action film would limit themselves by saying, why does this have to be this? I think they would say, this is the story I want to tell. What can I do to tell it the best I can? In this a good story? example is voiceover, right? So like, like you see voiceover employed in films a lot, but a lot of directors eschew voiceover because it's like, we're telling them we're making a film, not writing a book. And I think that is sort of like that critical analysis of a tool you have in your belt that you can, that can be employed in your medium, but oftentimes isn't for very philosophical reasons. Is kind of what I'm talking about Yeah. where it's like, well, yeah, if this made, if this made more sense to just, uh, you know, to hear a character talk for an hour, why didn't you just write the novel? But that's the execution of the thing, right? I mean, you can have people tell the exact same story in a book and as a film and you don't need to necessarily justify why the story has to be in a film because it obviously doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I retract my language. So I retract the, my has to language. Yeah, from so it's 10 just it's ago. the execution of the thing, which I think needs to be needs to, to be tailored to the to the medium, but not necessarily fundamentally. Like, why does this story have to be? So what you're in saying a, is, in a computer animated film, it's it's really easy to make. A crazy chase sequence. So all animated films should have a crazy chase sequence. Is that the point you're trying That's to argue, Chris? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page because I think that we are. Um, I wonder how much of this postcard signing is going to be in the opening bumper. Oh, all of it. <laughs> it. It might be nice. It might be presenting. It might let people know that this is actually happening. How can I'm we also convey like 500 what you like to talk about in a way that is best suited to podcasts? Oh, That's we should, a really good question. Can, I think first off, Jake and I should have a wacky chase scene around the office. How can we convey, <laughs> I don't have wacky chase how can we convey Sean signing postcards in a way that is most oh. that is most conducive to it being on a podcast? There's going to be one. I'll actually write it on the postcard. That is the <laughs> one that I signed into the microphone. Okay. Let's see if we can hear it. It's clench. Wow, that looks like crap. <laughs> it does look really bad. That's also, that's, it makes my name look, because it's written upside down. It looks like it Nildis. Looks like, <laughs> it also just looks like a two-year-old, three-year-old wrote it. That I is actually the worst way to convey Sean signing a postcard on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, really, we should adapt that down to being Sean tell the thrilling story of when he was signing the postcards. That's true. You didn't want to hear the... No, I don't. The, the pen is meaningless. We should be making a film or a video game on the Nintendo DS. With you draw. Yeah. Or, oh, man, we should make a U-Draw game for signing the Idle Thumbs postcards. That's a really good idea. That was... Oh. 
We really, that was it. That's what we should have done. Oh, that we was the perfect out- medium to tell the story of signing these postcards. <laughs> THQ has announced that it is that a year and a half or so ago, it licensed the Out of Thumbs postcard game. That game has now been canceled as we are moving away from Udraw. But, man, I read the preview for that Nintendo Power last year. Actually, I don't know if Nintendo would cover the Udraw. They'd probably hate it. That's true. Would have been sick, though. I feel like all actual hardware manufacturers probably hated the existence of the U-Draw. To, like, any I also hear any THQ escaped, investors hated the existence yeah. of the U-Draw because like, they were lied to about it. <laughs> any, any feelings that Microsoft and Nintendo had that could escape out of the giant eye roll that was surely created by the existence of the U-Draw was probably... Really, guys? That's... Huh. U-Draw. We missed the era of the U-Draw. Yeah, Battle Thumbs was, was dormant during U-Draw. I'm, I'm really sad about that because that thing was just fascinating to me. <laughs> it's just a Wacom tablet, right? It's the embodiment of a bad idea, though. Like, you catch the peripheral wave too late. Also, you're trying to make a like weird cross-platform device. For, like, none of the hardware manufacturers that make the actual consoles would have wanted anything to do with that fucking thing. Like, oh, it's so weird. I think it had a good Christmas. I think it had one good oh, Christmas. I think Udraw had a good Christmas this year. <laughs> People listening to this even know what the Udraw is. Uh, look up Udraw. <laughs> they have Google. <laughs> like, remember when you Googled best only, podcast I mean, on the I'm, internet and you found this one? I'm only, now Google I'm Udraw. I'm aware of what the Udraw is. It's like a Wacom tablet for your game console. Yeah, THQ is necessary. like, we're recentering everything around the Udraw. <laughs> UFC U draw. (laughs) (laughs) UFC U draw. What would be an example of how a game would use that? I don't know. Oh, like draw, um, like drawn to life. Nelson, like in there. (laughs) 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 Like draw a sick half Nelson. Sick half Nelson. Just the confluence of everything in that sentence is good. Like. They've moved beyond the half Nelson in UFC fighting. I, like, I know, that's so funny. They're up to at least three Nelsons simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. A sick half Nelson was just a man in pants up to his like mid chest with his arms oh. curled out. Like, oh You've drawn me, thank you. <laughs> now I exist and I suffer. <laughs> You created that man by drawing him, and now he'll just talk to you about his pain. So the you draw is like Jumanji. Like, yes, yeah, just, just you, anything you no, draw becomes no, real. Mom, don't buy me the you draw. <laughs> All my friends are dead now. <laughs> what if you draw your friend dead? He dies for real. No, you draw. friends also got the you draw for Christmas during that good Christmas. Oh, I see. They've all gotten they've all gotten warped into a nightmarish <laughs> safari hellscape reality. I thought you meant that it was like a voodoo it. thing. Maybe that, or too. like, yeah. Like, you couldn't help. The narrative I heard is all my friends are dead now is you were given a you draw knowing its power and are compelled <laughs> still to draw your friends in like, yeah. like a really shaky hand. This is a horrible Ouija board. Yeah. yeah. Like, you drew your friend and then you accidentally like dry erased his leg off. Like, oh! <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a dry erase thing. It's no, like but like you switched, you switched, you turned the pen upside down and you switched to the eraser tool, whatever oh, okay. the fuck the you draw Oh, so you does. permanently accidentally drew on the you draw and now the, the horrible fate you drew for your friend can never be erased. Oh man, whoa, that's worse. Your little brother drew on your you draw with a sharpie. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Your little brother thought it'd be funny to draw like an arrow through your well, this or something. Admittedly, the you draw may have been a failure, but the motion picture licensing deal for the U-Draw, which is this concept, <laughs> has gone through and is in production from the makers of Battleship. the Battleship game and the Candyland game. You mean the Battleship movie? movie? 
The Battleship game. The Battleship, the classic oh, Battleship, Battleship board the, game. No, the, the Battleship. I, mean, I was game. talking about the film. Jumanji is an okay movie. Right? When was the last time you saw Jumanji? I don't know when it came out. Yeah, me too. That movie was fine. I don't remember anything about it. Kirsten Other Dunstan, than that, there's like the elephant that Robin Williams saw or something. Was he in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Robin Williams okay. was the crazy man who comes back from Jumanji. Oh, okay. He was the man who was in Jumanji. He, he was the man who was in Jumanji. He was the, he was the, the chief time. deviation from the book Jumanji. Is the book is kids find a game and then it takes over their house and they survive. Oh, it's based on a book. Well, for some reason, I, I thought Jumanji was a book. Mm. Yeah. Then the movie is what if those kids find a game and it's really atmospheric and creepy, but then Robin Williams comes flying out of it and he's chased <laughs> by like an old timey safari man with a monocle. Like that's what the, the film version is. The film version is the book Jumanji with but Robin Williams. Encompa- but inside of that book is the most dangerous game. No, I don't think it's quite, that. I don't think Robin Williams <laughs> is being hunted for sport. Well, that was, was he being hunted for? Was film. it vengeance? I think that safari guy was just out passion. To safari, everyone. I don't know. That's sport, Wait, though. So that is the most interesting. That's <laughs> the question, though, is whether or not there's a novelization of the film Jumanji. The answer is probably yes, and it's probably fantastic. Whether well, there's a what? A novelization. Oh. <laughs> well, then the game was adapted from that. They couldn't get the bought at a book fair at an elementary actual, school. Make the game of the movie Jumanji. So they got, so they got, the, got the, rights the rights for the Jumanji. The, the Jumanji, the film. The novelization, the novelization, the video game, right? The film that's being adapted now. <laughs> well, that's a straight to D- the straight to TV cartoon. That probably also exists. Yeah. The real Jumanji. Yeah, it's called that. What are we talking about? Is this a podcast? No. Brum. It's July 3rd, 2012. This is the Idle Thumbs Kickstarter Progress Cast, the 14th one, I think. It's the 15th. The 15th, 15th one. one. We're halfway there. <laughs> what, happens, what happens at 30? <laughs> exactly. Who are you? I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And here we are, recording a podcast. Chris is taking a break from Civ Five to hang out with us. Yep. Are you pl- you're still playing? He's that. still playing. That. I'm still playing that. I actually started a game that was the uh, I chose the uh, the Celts and I chose a game that or like I adjusted the game game options to be the largest possible world mm-hmm. and the slowest possible time scale. So like the way the game it scaled up to the size of the globe and you actually are just now ruling over planet Earth. <laughs> it turned out we actually can now announce that this is the Civ Five cast. Idle thumbs. Idle thumbs is dead. Long live. You're just going to podcast it because this is the only game you can play forever now. That's now that true. you've set the time scale to to encompass your life, you'd be done when you're 45. Yeah, Jake's got important business. Oh, someone sent us a message saying that someone has put out in the Steam Workshop a Civ Five mod that is a recreation of the Eternal. Oh mod. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I actually, I actually queued it up to download, but I haven't loaded it up yet because I'm in the middle of this game, this like never-ending game. the The way they describe it in the settings is that each age in this time scale is roughly the length of a regular game of Civ five. Oh geez. So uh, you're just going for it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's I'm, I'm up to like the, I think I'm up to the 1800s right now. So I'm, I'm getting there. I think the game ends at 2050. So wow. That is, you're up to the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So you've been playing it's, this well, for a while. Already. It slows. Well, yeah. I mean, it always slows down as you get to, as you get up in years. So, you know, at the beginning of the game, the years pass much more quickly. Like there are more oh, really? years per turn. I haven't noticed on. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It just reflects that society moved more slowly 
the farther back in history you get. Whereas now, you know, scientific development just happens more rapidly. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's cool. I realized that the thing, I realized one of the reasons I like Civ Five so much, even though, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a better game than Civ Four. It probably isn't. But uh, I realized that Civ Four is kind of about, it's kind of about modeling, like just the amazing complexity of a society, just the, all the different types of things that it does. And the fact that, especially in the modern world, like any society actually encompasses a huge breadth, any like modern society encompasses a huge breadth of culture and technology and kind of national characters. It's very complex. Uh, Whereas Civ V definitely feels like it's much more about kind of defining the like elemental characteristics of a society. So the way that the uh, policies work means you kind of define your society as being like a religious one or a cultural one or a, a you know a, a free society or a, an autocratic society or whatever and the game feels like it's very much about defining that and so i think it's the reason i end up liking the early game in civ 5 so much because it feels like the era of just human society when that is kind of what societies were, you know, before globalism, before multiculturalism was really a thing, like societies were much more on a relative basis, somewhat more isolated. Like they were more about those elemental uh, traits. Um, And so I I like, I like up to about like the, the, I don't know, like the Renaissance, I guess, when it still felt like societies had this very strong individual identity um, mm-hmm. And then as you get into, you know, the industrial area era and so forth, modern societies start to kind of approximate each other a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the reason I chose that really slow time scale for this game is because I wanted to kind of stay as long as I could. You want to spend more time in, in the past? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, that's kind of like what I struggle with with Ship 5. Oh, my God. That phone's uh, ringing for the our, first time ever. Doug <laughs> are, is here. <laughs> Hello? I think you have to hit pound or nine or something to let him in. I don't actually know a button to press to let you in. I think you have to hit pound. <laughs> hit pound. I'm talking every once in a while, otherwise the, the line will disconnect. I'm just going to keep pressing pound. I think it's work. pound. Did that work? Did that work? that worked. Must have. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that phone ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was exciting. Yep. We have a hilarious old-timey <laughs> telephone that is our intercom system. <laughs> That we thought was hilarious, so we bought it. <laughs> Good story. Well, yeah. It's got a red light on it. I know. I wonder if there's a way to turn Black the ringer off and just let that light. Let, let, let the light, I think the light only goes on. What? We'll deal with it. Okay. We'll deal with it. What was I talking about? Um, Civilization. I was talking about the timescales and how the early game. Right. Is, well, that, that's kind of the, the, thing that I, the thing that I really struggle with with yeah. Civ 5 in is I get these really bad headaches when I play this game because <laughs> that sounds bad. It's really bad. I get these really, really just dis- like just intense headaches because we all start like every civilization in the game starts with the exact same, like you have different bonuses or whatever, mm-hmm. but you start with the ability to make the same amount of choices. Like everything's sort of just like, you're all growing towards the same thing. So I have this hard time not believing that the game's just letting me win. You know, and I guess I need what to you, move. What do you mean by that? Like every sing- like everything takes the same amount of time. Yeah. Based on a multitude of dynamic factors, that what do you mean? Everything are, takes the same amount of time. Like it takes X amount of turns to produce a wonder. If. Like, yeah, but that's only given if you, the given, same inputs, though. That's given not, that you have you know these resources around yeah. you, so I guess it's just, it's just how do you make the same? How do you make the best raw choices? But it's just, it's a game that feels like. 
if because everything like if the computer just wanted to beat you it could just make the most perfect choices given all the all all of its dynamic knowledge i don't know i mean you can turn the ai up a lot if you want like you can make the game harder yeah but i mean i civ is such a like there are so many so i'm always thinking about that i mean i'm sure i you know i don't really play the game in a in a very competitively like I, I just kind of play it as a simulation so i don't think about that stuff as much so there probably are people who who would disagree with what i'm about to say but it it feels to me like there are the there's so many little things that make each civilization i mean you know if the if just the way that the, the diplomacy happens to work like someone nearer that that whatever other ai happens to get in a conflict with them or like with you or like with this like those things those are things that presumably the computer is not given perfect knowledge on in the same way a player doesn't have perfect knowledge about like uh, although that's probably they probably give the computer more knowledge about that stuff when you turn the ai up just to just to make it an artificially difficult challenge but yeah but uh i mean i don't know like the computer doesn't know what you're gonna do like they don't there's so many that's true nobody knows what house of yum (laughs) is gonna do (laughs) love house of yum no one knows what that means oh that's my thai society that my wife and i started our capital city is the house of yum siamese yes uh we're going for a cultural win right cultural victory but my wife uh won't let us develop piety because piety piety sorry uh so that's that's proving to be challenging but we're doing good we're doing we're doing okay I'm, i'm all about uh piousness like now that they introduced um religion in civ 5 like i was i i was always a big yeah, also cultural. I would always do cultural yeah. stuff. So now I'm just cultural, religious. Like, I my Celts founded Judaism, and the whole goddamn world is basically Jewish in my game. Like, I'm sending out, like, I just send out missionaries. Like, See, I, we, like, I think we have to get that aspect of it because we have to get the re- religion pack because we are playing completely culturally, but in Civ 5 as opposed to Civ 4, you can't actually take over right enemy territory with culture right. like and that always kind of bummed me out like i love that like we have this cultural center like south of our of our capital and we said okay this is gonna be our cultural center then we also have a sh- like a shipping city like we not only are we trying to define our empire by like the things that you were talking about these elemental ideas mm-hmm. but we also define our cities by that which is probably not the right the way to play but it's more fun for us again as a, oh, as a simulation wrong with it. so we were building all this culture in this one very central location that was kind of a crossroads for our continent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, it's only a matter of time knowing what I knew about Civ four that like this a hole down the road, it's like until they adopt our sweet pop right. music yeah, and yeah. <laughs> become yeah. one of us. But then I found, then I didn't realize until very recently that that is taken. No cultural border. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't come out of the game mm-hmm. or that, 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 yeah, it's not in the game anymore. So and I'm trying to figure out how culture doesn't, religion doesn't let you actually take over cities. It just, when other cities adopt your religion, like you get more cultural bonuses. bonuses right? Yeah. Not cultural, but religious bonuses. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's like a new like cultural culture, religion is in fact like a, it's a whole new system. Okay. And it's interesting because it shares a lot in common with how culture works, but they still operate pretty differently. I actually kind of like it. Culture is a total pa- passive thing. Right. Um, whereas I wish religion was has to be actively spread, which I think is interesting. You know, like you mm-hmm. need to send actual missionaries out to, I mean, the, religion does exert its own, pressure this kind of the same way culture used to right um but to really spread it you know you you, you are sending out missionaries and you've got inquisitors to like to er- eradicate other religions from your own cities uh, I, mm-hmm. I like the way it's a more active system in contrast to culture yeah i mean i think 
and I think it's kind of disappointing that culture is not a more. I mean, I understand why, like, while taking cultural takeovers were taken out of five, uh, just being able to cult- culture bomb a city basically mm-hmm. and yeah. just swipe it yeah. was a broken system in four a little bit. But I feel like they. They, the pendulum swing too much away from culture being an active dynamic system. It is so passive, but like at the same time, you can imagine an empire that says we are just like, we're going to let our artistic works just wash over the lands and see what happens. And that being that allow, allowing that to be an active so thing. The equivalent of like a propaganda campaign. Kind of, but like, but I like mean, from a good place, but I would say like America is a great example of a mod, yeah. like of like we actively export culture very, very strategically, like mm-hmm. in very, very powerfully. And, you know, I don't, and that isn't really possible in Civ five, which is kind of disappointing, but the game is really fun. Uh, Unless and again, in a, like, a religion called American pop culture, then think of the commentary that you're creating when you do that. Wow, <laughs> think about that. We can name. Can you name? Can I you thought, name I your missionaries? You could, but I guess your not. missionaries. I'm gonna name, like I'm, I'm sure sending Madonna. Thoughts sure for that. I'm <laughs> to Tokyo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm sending Elvis to Russia. That'll be great. So, um, yeah, but it, yeah, it, it is very different from four in that respect. Like culture is more about like culture is used to choose those policies that are the things that kind of define your own society. Right. So yeah, it is much more about kind of shaping the way your own society works rather than being part of that weird global, like mm-hmm. kind of exchange. Yeah. yeah. So it is a little different. Totally. We ended up, we had like war, like, like we, we have, have like, war. we have Askia to our East and we have mm-hmm. Egypt to the South. And then Askia, we're, we've like been Songhai. Yeah. Songhai. Yeah. The Songhai empire. We've another thing we've done is we've befriended every city state we find. We've just been pumping money mm-hmm. into these city states. Oh wow! So we have a ton of, tons them. of bonuses. Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. But they like Songhai attacked one of our city states, so it's like, well, we got to go deal with these guys now. So we're in a defensive war with them, and then we had an and there's a whole crazy story about this other continent. That's a complete city state continent. Oh wow! There's yeah, no civilization. There's no civilizations. There's five city states on this small continent. That's like probably if like North America was isolated from South America, like that's about the size of it in re- relative to the map. And um, we ended up getting in a war accidentally and well, not really accidentally. It was kind of purposeful with Egypt. <laughs> they, well, Egypt sent some guys over there and then they looked like they were going to settle over there. And we're like, no, 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 no. They were leaving this as a city state continent. So, we told Egypt, don't settle here. And Egypt said, go F yourself. So now we're in these two wars. But they're like micro war. They're not like full-on conflicts, you know? I like the, but, the notion of a city-state continent existing basically as a model for the new world existing. It's awesome. It's oh, yeah. really it's cool. It's really cool in this game. I'm really, really stoked about it. But uh, we wanted to preserve that. and Because right. Egypt went and tried to... You know, like, like the weird colonial era, you mean? Like yeah. before everything was... Yeah, just people, people yeah. finding a continent that has nothing that really mod- models the notion of formalized oh, western mean, nation oh, I states see what you're saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah i mean sean just found a landmass with a bunch of small and unrelated like groups. autonomous nations. yeah but there aren't there aren't like the same sort of civ western model of right great leaders of empires yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. just and yeah. like city now, states are now, essentially like, just, just showing up yeah. there and being like no, no no hold on we're just gonna leave this as a bunch of city states mm, i don't know if we're gonna leave it as that yeah. uh, and then that turning into a war over just this unrelated landmass is awesome yeah because also it's and it's crazy it's also built around the great barrier reef 
So there's this wonder in the middle of it that's super, super, like, that everybody wants. It's In the middle of it? Like, there's, like, a... Like, it's it's at the bottom of it. The Great Barrier Reef is sort of, like, couched by the continent above it. Uh And that that whole area right up against the Great Barrier Reef is open to development. Uh, We just want this to protect the... Right. It's so good. It's It's an amazing story. (laughs) And uh, we don't think these people... These natives are... Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're not really appreciating it for what it's worth. But to, to finish this this roundabout story, uh, it's you can't tell us a five-story without like laying out the entire geopolitical <laughs> landscape of your game, yeah. which takes half an hour. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, so we're finding these two sort of, not full-on wars, but conflicts, mm-hmm. but are still building... We have an opera house being built in one... Like, our, out of our two main cities, we have an opera house being built in one, and then like a great college or like another cultural wonder being built in the other. And we were so chuffed with ourselves. My wife and I are like, we're at war and we're still building this opera house. This is what we're talking about. This is what we value. This is what's wrong with society right now. Like this would be cut. This would be an austerity measure that was like yanked out of the production. If this was anybody else, but not us, not house of yum. High five. Okay. Good job, hon. It was awesome. And it worked out for us. We think we don't really know. I have, I've been having some pretty good city-state interactions in the game I'm playing, where the continent of on, I'm on, the, the, there's kind of three kind of vertical bands that I divide the continent up into, and like the further right. western one along the western coast is like mainly city-states, and then in the middle it's like me and like four other civs, like all just with our cities, just all packed together, and then most of the eastern seaboard is city-states again. And, uh, so I'm, I'm the Celts and I'm in there. And then right to the north of me is Carthage. Uh, and then there's also Polynesia, which is just like somewhere else, which I don't like, I went the whole game, like knowing Polynesia, not the whole game, but like the first half of the game before I had explored the other continents. When it was just uh, kind of letting you know that Polynesia existed. Yeah, because, and was doing right. Stuff. So Polynesia you met was them, like, but you didn't know well, where they were. So Polynesia was like good buddies with Carthage and I was good buddies with Carthage and I must've like come in contact with Polynesia somehow because then I started becoming good buddies with Polynesia. So like throughout this entire game, basically ever since like 500 BC, like every 10 turns, Carthage will be like, shall we renew our declaration of friendship? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then Polynesia will just come in and be like, I see you are friendly with Carthage. We're very glad to hear this. We like them also. And then they will offer me a declaration of friendship. And then Carthage will come back and be like, I see you're friendly with Polynesia. We're very pleased about this. And so this whole, like, for thousands of years, we've just been in this weird, like, like three-way mutual we're appreciation. We're all great like, friends. We Basically, well, at some point, then, someone's going to turn. Yeah. Well, no. No. And so uh, so then I'm flanked on my other sides by, uh, by Persia and Arabia. And they are have the whole game of just been, like what the diplomacy categorizes as guarded. Uh-huh. They're always kind of grumbly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like, we don't like this, this, we don't like what's going on over here. Um, I have not I, been because able to I've been constantly uh, sending missionaries out into both of them. So like I converted, uh, actually Arabia founded Islam, which was interesting in this game. Cause it, it, yeah, I mean that, that means nothing like, right. But it's cool. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's so, a cool coincidence, but that doesn't, yeah. they're not like predisposed. Right. Yeah. And so Mecca, uh, systemically, yeah. they, well, they might be weighted towards it, but like, they're not guaranteed to. Mm-hmm. And so Mecca was the Holy city of Islam. And I converted, uh, Mecca to Islam or to Judaism. Uh, wow. I also introduced Judaism <laughs> to Jerusalem, which I was pretty pleased about. Um, and so <laughs> a fatwa was put on the head of our right. thumbs. <laughs> and so, uh, and, um, I also like about half of, um, at this point, about half of Persia is Jewish 
and the other half is Zoroastrian. Uh, and so, and so Darius, the leader of Persia, is constantly just being like, you got to lay off. You have to lay off this, this <laughs> persettalizing. This is not cool. You got to get out of it. And so I'll be like, oh, sorry, my bad. I won't do it anymore. And I'll wait like a few hundred years and then I'll send another one in to, to his capital. And, <laughs> oh, hey, what's up, like, guys? Yeah. And so finally, finally, Persia is just like, he first he denounces me. Of course. And then, like, a century later, he declares war on me. And, like, and he's, he's at this point, taken over some of Arabia, I think. So, he has, like, he's flanking me on both both sides. And so, immediately, he starts moving guys into my borders. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, then, I caught, like, after, like, a millennium of d- being friends with... Uh, with uh, Carthage and Polynesia, like I immediately call up uh, Carthage and I'm like, all right, declare war on, uh, on uh, Arabia, Ara- uh, Persia. Persia. And uh, I call up Polynesia, declare war on Persia. I call up every single city state in that whole um, Eastern seaboard that me and Polynesia and Carthage have been friendly with the whole time. And every single one of them all declares war on Persia at the same time. So like the turn after Persia declares war on me. Suddenly, like the entire continent, just your entire is, is right just, like, side, moving, is yeah. messages to the top. goodwill, like, exactly, just calling in all those favors. Like, uh, it's uh, are you gonna try to wipe them out or just defend? Well, he immediately. So this was a while ago. This is like right. already resolved, and so, um, and so immediately he, it's just like oh shit, and he's just just every fucking military in the neighborhood is rolling into his cities. Um, oh, and Carthage, it was the best because Carthage's special unit is big war elephants. So suddenly, oh yeah, we know, have, she's yeah, just got yeah, yeah, like, we have she has this just like fucking fleet of that's not the right word, but this, <laughs> I think it's like, like what a, a family of elephants is called a. Oh, I know this. We'll go with what you were going to say, though. A fleet. A platoon. A platoon. Yeah. like platoon of war elephants just rolls into Persia, which was just like an awesome It's probably just a herd, thing, isn't thing it? to see. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, so, and so, like, a matter of turns later, um, Persia, like, Darius contacts me, and he's like, all yeah, right, okay. uh, Look. <laughs> we're cool. We're cool here. And so I'm, I, I, like, broker peace with him. But all the other, like... Uh, Carthage and everyone else doesn't, and so I'm just like sitting there while Persia is just getting like taken apart. Like, it was amazing. Can you tell those guys? Or can you stop? Can you like? No, I don't care. What, okay, yeah, 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 that's um, fine. And so now it's like it's basically yeah, it's like you know, 500 years later now, maybe in Persia's like good buddies with me now because what else is he going to do? And I'm his <laughs> only ally like, in the region. And, yeah, and so I'm still sending exactly, it's and so I'm still funny. and now I'm I'm back, and then. At one point, even while being friendly with me, he sent in not just a missionary, but a great prophet to actually convert my my capital city of Edinburgh to Islam to uh, to uh, Zoroastrian. Zoroastrian, sorry. I was so pissed. I was so furious because I am like this- renounce, denounce him. Yeah, I totally did, okay. and I, I immediately like busted out my inquisitors to go and just flush that shit right out. Like we can't have that in Edinburgh, and uh, <laughs> I'm I've become like just the complete. Like supreme religious potentate of this planet, basically. Like it is ridiculous to see how far Judaism has spread, which is great because Judaism is not a proselytizing religion, right? Uh, and uh, proselytizing, and yeah. so uh, yeah, this entire continent is mine. Like I'm starting to encroach across the ocean. Um, it's pretty good, but I gotta. We'll buy, yeah, maybe when we start our next game, I'll buy Gods and Kings. So oh yeah, you got to yeah yeah because we're just playing. Them. That sounds pretty great. Yeah. Uh, that's oh, and also diplomacy, I have a question for diplomacy you. is actually a lot. Well, I don't know. They may have also rolled this into a patch in the 
vanilla game. I don't actually know, but diplomacy seems way better in Gods and Kings. Like, oh, really? Yeah, all that stuff I, I described is diplomacy. not something that I really found happened very much in regular Civ Five. There's like, a lot of these like mm-hmm. millennia long, interesting relationships that actually bear fruit and are like reflected well. Um, so yeah, it seems it, I could be just imagining it, but it seems like in Gods and Kings and the games I've played so far, it seems like the diplomacy system is there's more continuity to it. It just seems better better executed. I can't wait to play it. Yeah, I have a question good. for you about that, but take a break. Yeah, yeah take, a break. take a break. Right. Wow. Yeah. That was a good Minecraft talk you and Doug just had. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> Utopian society overcome by creepers who yeah, yeah. infect. Well, too bad you guys will never hear it. Nope. Um, for those who don't know, though, we do run an Idle Thumbs Minecraft server, which is available at idlemc.com or maybe still minecraft.idlethumbs.net. Depend- Who's to say? Idlemc.com is where it's at. Um, doesn't have a lot of activity right now, but you could change that by playing it. They, yeah, that's that website is shared with the Idle Thumbs Motorcycle Club and the Idle Thumbs Minecraft server. That's true. Yeah. God, have you seen idlemc.com? Actually, it should be like one of those sites where you go to it, where Firefox.com used to be this, where it's like, are you looking for like, <laughs> Firefox Inc., you know, like whatever blanket company, or Firefox from Mozilla Corporation, the web browser? <laughs> and they, you know, they would just have the split page with two links. That's what idlemc.com should be. Are you looking for the Idle Thumbs Motorcycle Club official thread on the Idle Forums or the Idle Thumbs Minecraft server? Yes, that's what we're going to do. There's only three of us in the Idle Thumbs model, um, uh, Motorcycle Club, though. There's me and a couple guys who I think are Canadian who are on maybe still like a wild cross transcontinental motorcycle journey so Are you guys going to have like a ride right up now. where you show up and say baboo? I would love that. That would be awesome. They have, they're like on a, they're on a journey right now. They keep posting photos in the thread. It's great. I don't know. You, nice. Do you check that out? Yeah, I mean, I check, yeah. check it occasionally. The yeah. photograph yesterday was just the back half of a like Triumph Bonneville with a case of beer on the back of it. It was pretty great. Have we done a progress cast since JP was playing Bioshock? No. So we didn't talk about that yet, right? I don't think so. Have we done a progress cast since someone played Bioshock? No, never. <laughs> I only mentioned it because when we were talking about Minecraft, it reminded me that we've been talking about doing a live stream on the Autothumbs Minecraft server, which would be really fun because then the people in the chat would immediately start just invading our live stream because it's Minecraft. Um, right. So we'll do that at some point soon. But we also, um, if you check out our Twitch TV channel, which is twitch.tv slash idlethumbs, um, last weekend we had our friend JP in, who's been on the show before, I think he was on episode 14, Interface with the Animus. Wow. Um, <laughs> deep pull. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, he was a designer on Bioshock. Like he, I think was chiefly responsible for the Arcadia level, but then he also worked on a lot of other chunks of the game and was there for a lot of the production of it. So, um, we spent four hours with him playing through big chunks of Bioshock one, including all of Arcadia. And then he also played through a remake of Arcadia that he did himself inside of the doom two engine, which was surprisingly awesome. <laughs> Super cool. Uh, so good. What he did with the the enemy triggers and them teleporting, like teleporting around. Guys. Oh man, his his replication of the Houdini splicers by just placing a grid of monster spawns throughout the environment. So yeah. whenever whenever one of those guys shows up, they just suddenly like the behavior replicated the Houdini splicer to a terrifying degree. It's it amazing awesome. how he he used just basically really rudimentary character AI to create a scripting system. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah pretty awesome it's really, so, really worth checking out it's like a five-part video series because as always yeah, happens three, three of them are bioshock yeah three are bioshock one and then two of them are doom two 
Hell on Earth. And they're really good. There's lots of just really, really cool insights into the development of his level in particular and also Bioshock 1 in general. Uh, just a lot of really cool uh, anecdotes about decisions that were made on that project. Many from, of which like, involve bees. Many, of, Yeah, a lot of it was bee-related. Um, but yeah, stuff stuff dealing with like really specific you know, level design choices and also just really big decisions about core game systems. So it was really cool. Yeah, that was really fun. I mean, we're now... So we set the bar pretty high with the Super Black Bass stream. Um, and I'm not quite sure if we surpassed it with Bioshock 1 designer ballpark. talking about the creation of Bioshock while playing through it with us. But, you know... Bassin, it's got the the Bassin boost. Don't patronize me. You were, I don't know if we should talk about this on this cast, but you were experiencing the sequel to Super Black Bass for the first time in your life recently, Sean. I know, and I instantly turned it off because I realized we had to live stream it. Wait, like, serious? Really? Yeah. I remember I started it up. I found it. Uh, Is this also an SNES game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I found it um, at home. And I went, oh, I don't think I ever played this. And then I put it in and I had this really weird sort of dreamlike nostalgia where I'm like, I did play this maybe once. Maybe I rented this and played it for three nights or something. I'm like, oh man, I need to come. I have to come back to this. You, but can, it's, you can tell all it's the, a super, market. The, the super black bass money definitely funded the second. Definitely yeah. funded Does it. Does it seem like it's good still? I think so. Yeah. It definitely has much sassier production. It has post like Legend of Zelda production values. Right. Like when the Zelda that game is really good. Um, Link, like to Link to the Past. Link to the Past was like a launch title though. Oh, really? Uh, uh, but it was basically when the production values of Nintendo first party games started to uh, roll out to third party and like you just, just nicer art and just way sassy things being done it. in the UI. Yeah. Fewer mode seven effects though. Fewer mode seven effects though, which is kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, we should actually get JP in for because he has such <laughs> to talk about the development of. Well, he can just Black Bass just, to, just to be in the room to comment. I feel the bass. If well, you yeah. ever like on any of our our live, it bass stinks effect. because when you watch the uh, the replay, there's obviously the chat isn't being recreated. But when we but when JP's in the chat, yeah, just the amount of like, like really like cogent yeah. like sort of analysis is happening. Well, actually, well, he was like, oh, that wind effect is achieved by this thing happening with the Super Nintendo's sound hardware. Like, yeah. oh, like yeah, it was <laughs> what? Yep, JP's hilarious. Like, oh, that yeah. real time flange and distortion or whatever is because of the. It was amazing. Anyway. Meanwhile, everybody else in the chat is just baboo, baboo, the wizard baboo, and he's like, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking, yeah. Pretty, pretty What's insightful. the name of that? Of that the other game? game? It's, it's Bassin oh. with someone or something, wasn't it? It is like Black... It's Bassin like Bassin with... with but it's branded like... Official Bassin merchandise. Roy... Roy Bassin. Q... It's like Roy... Crank Bates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bassin with Roy Bassin. Q Crank Bates. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, the sequel so to Super in, Black Bass. Tune in on Saturday for our live stream of Bassin with Roy Q... Crankbaits? Crankbaits. Crankbaits is it's different. That was the PlayStation version. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With the Lil John soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a Bassin 64? (laughs) Ultra Bassin? Oh, man. No. (laughs) You know what happened? This is serious. Sorry. I'm going to. Yeah, I know you're going. Go ahead. I just love that before the N64 was announced. All of the titles were ultra something because yeah. everyone thought it was going to be that. So you get the little early rash of ultra bass and all that stuff. And they're like, oh shit, they named it the Nintendo 64, actually, not the Ultra 64. <laughs> so, and then you got, then you end up with Bomberman 64. And that's what I always called. liked Ultra as a name. I always thought that was really good. So you've got your. Um, your I always, as a fourth <laughs> grader, thought that was a good name. So you've got that. That's why you have the um, the original Killer Instinct and Cruising USA arcade cabinets at home because you love that that spin up. Oh man! Chrome Ultra Killer Instinct logo. is good. That's interesting. 
as an attitude to have. You don't like that game? <laughs> no. Oh, I loved Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct is bullshit. Killer oh. Instinct was the first game that I ever played that had... Let me just stop the sentence there. Okay, killer what was I going to say? Played. That had a killer Oh, no, no. oh, oh. I'm going to talk for a second. Okay. No, go ahead. I'll talk about Killer Instinct later. No, no, we're here. What? I don't understand why you would... Hold on, I'm on this video <laughs> yeah, podcast, we're, we're, but let me just hold When on. Killer Instinct comes up naturally again. Again. I don't have gonna, an opinion I'm about Killer Instinct back. other than I remember... I'm not a big fighting fan, so people are going to tell me that I'm full of shit, but I remember thinking that game was kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that, that struck out to me culturally about Killer Instinct is that it was the first game that I played that had the ultimate mega combo voice. <laughs> like, that was the first time that oh, I noticed free, that. Oh, like, real tournament? Yeah, like, uh, uh, like combo. I, don't, yeah, I don't think that was a big thing in, like, I don't know how many Tekken games existed at that point, or, like, in Street Fighter Ultra, or uh, Killer Instinct came out, I think, before Street Fighter really got hugely into announcing combos. Like, it was a new thing yeah, in fighting no, games. That, that game was the one that was ultra mega mega combo combo breaker. I was like, what is this? Is it what a fighting game is? It's just a dude. Yeah, that's in like, Dota now. It's the best. Yeah. But God-like. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, insane. that's all over uh, like first, first person fighting games. What year did yeah. that come out? Was that like 97 or something? I think it was a little earlier than that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that really predates Unreal Tournament by several it, years. Yeah, it must oh, be yeah, around yeah, yeah. there. But I remember uh, in the arcade seeing that text flying up all the time and hearing a guy. This is going to be like 95 or 6. That's my guess. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, I was going to talk about why there wasn't a N64 uh, bass game. Or why fishing, Why I think fishing games got bad. The Dreamcast got had the lock on that market. Yeah, they had tons of them. Yeah. Well, also, I think the advent of the analog stick and sort of just 3d graphics hardware made what irreparably changed well it made what i liked about fishing games they made everything it made the i think like i I said this actually on the live stream but like well the moment you were looking under the water because they technologically could and you can move a lure through Uh 3d space Mm -hmm. because you mechanically could Mm -hmm. the what i liked about the fishing game was gone like I think that's actually... I think, Simulation versus fantasy, I guess. No, totally. I think that's that's a really good observation. I think you can... I think that's something that... If you look at their like, late 80s and early 90s on the PC, I think basically after the advent of like Doom and other kind of pseudo 3D action games, you know, and then eventually real, actual real-time 3D video games, um, there really kind of was, in a lot of ways, the end, or at least the beginning of the end of just the ridiculous amount of breadth of interesting simulational experiences on the PC. Like I remember when I first got into PC, you could still open up magazines like computer gaming world or PC gamer, which I subscribed to all throughout the nineties. And you know, there would just be coverage of just the craziest stuff, like this weird, like Chris Crawford games, shit like that, you know, stuff that is not in any way about, uh, about um, like presenting the stuff graphically. It's about just simulating this like crazy conflict and like all these, this, some particular aspect of how like nations interact or whatever. Um, and that was to me, like a real linchpin of PC gaming for that, for that p- particular period of time. But like, as soon as you introduce the ability to uh, have, you know, like a big high fidelity experience where you, you were, you are put into the perspective of like this one particular character, whether it's first or third person doesn't either way. Um, and you know, you there's so much, the, just the pure uh, visual recreation of the thing, like is so seductive. Like it's so hard to not 
focus on that. Even if it's even if you're even if you're not making a game that's like of some kind of visceral crazy action fest, it's still hard for that not to I think like tilt the scales a bit, you know, away from away from the pure like simulational or like pure abstract. I wonder if like Sorry, I don't actually play any sports games, especially mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't really either. But it makes me yeah. wonder because I've you can read stuff about how as Madden grew over time, the emphasis was put more and more on making Madden look like televised football. Right. But then that eventually that equation ended up flipping, and people wanted televised football to look like Madden because again, once Madden <laughs> right. went three D, the they can do like, yeah. like they can have the camera just swoop down the field. Like a Madden plus the existence of the XFL entirely changed how televised football was shot. But it makes me wonder if it's like what people who play Madden, if that, if that holds true for that as well, like that's just, that's a game that's gone as far as it possibly can to look like you're watching television, but you're controlling TV more than you're actually, I don't know. Like, are there, I mean, there's so there many different ways where to play you, Madden, think, where you know? think that Madden is being, is, is at the expense of it feeling like the sport? I think Madden's gotten a lot better. Like personally, okay. I mean, I played Madden 64 a lot and I played a lot of Madden, when uh, my last job uh funny thing a, a lot of a lot more guys at publishers want to start madden leagues than tf2 <laughs> leagues like Surprise. we have at a developer yeah. Yeah. so uh we had a madden league and uh and then i've played what was the last one i played maybe like the three years ago one and the game is i mean the game actually supports a really broad like really broad play experiences you can play it as a pure simulation where you are just sort of coaching and managing a team of simulated players, which is really cool. Like you don't have to ever control anybody on this, on the field uh, if you don't want to. And like uh, my friend growing up, his dad used to only play that way, which I thought was kind of cool. And it was the only game he ever played. But uh, like I, I, because again, so much of the mechanics of what football is translate so directly to the me- like the mechanics we've perspected in third person action games throw a thing crash into guy yeah target thing throw a thing yeah. make a quick action decision avoid a guy like football in real life like that's true you can like they call like adam pacman jones is his real nickname <laughs> like because <laughs> he like gobbles up and runs around like pacman you know like, well, like and so i think like you know i don't know i don't think it's the same like there's they haven't they haven't introduced a mecha- like anything mechanical because of any new technical ability that you then playing Madden changes fundamentally what football is about. It's not like, oh, now that we can do this crazy thing with the new Xbox, all football games are going to have the ability to, like, I don't know, play with your mind and teleport right. to places. Maybe they Those should. computers, like, like t- about to take off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that's fine. It's really, I don't think it's that bad. The interesting thing about uh, about sports, and I, like, I I kind of wish I were more interested in sports than I am because sports video games seem like a really interesting sphere. But like, they can they actually have a fairly fixed target to aspire to, which I think is really interesting. Right. Because if you're, you know, we obviously just talked about a bunch about Civilization Five, and like that's interesting because they're working from something of a fixed target in the sense that there's all this historical material to build on, but they're just, they're, they're really abstracting it in like an extreme way. And then, and also just the, the amount of exactly. It's such like, an overwhelming scale. You have to, and that's kind of like, yeah. and it's funny is Amelia got over it, but at first I think she was put off by Civ because it has to make such gross kind of like, engrosses the way to use like gross generalizations mm-hmm. about Absolutely. the paths of history. Yeah. She was kind of put off 
of that from just sort of like academically mm-hmm. like it was sort of like oh like hegemonic ideas about blah 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 blah, blah mm-hmm. you know but she's completely over that now it's super and in, is into the simulation yeah. but continue sorry it's super power fantasy revisionist history stuff yeah for sure um uh but uh and then on the other hand you have stuff like you know dota or starcraft or like any any strategy game really that ex- that is a small scale strategy game that like is a lord's like, management game like a lord's exactly like okay. your, like your lord's management typical lords uh, management. and those are things typical that lords. you know th- those are kind of operating on a fidelity that's closer to a sports game except they're just totally made up like yeah. just, you know they're just because they're completely invented and so sports yeah. games are this interesting middle ground where it's actually aping a system that exists and is at a scale that is basically replicable in a video game mm-hmm. And there is a very specific thing to actually, I mean, obviously a bunch of it still has to be abstracted because you're inputting things with a controller as opposed mm-hmm. to you're an actual person. Uh, but uh, maybe that's the terrible feature of games material there. But uh, but yeah, like there is something that they can actually be accountable to really directly. Right. That's right, someone right. who like, and I think that's why there's maybe less overlap between people who are kind of, you know, the people who are like our, our audience you know, I'm sure plenty of them are in sports games, but I imagine a lot of them aren't, which is, I often hear a lot of say, people say, like, I wonder why more kind of gamer people aren't into sports games, because they have a lot of the same stuff mm-hmm. that people like about like strategy games or RPGs with like franchise mode or whatever, but it just seems like it doesn't overlap there. And maybe the reason for that is that it is, it so capitalizes on like this particular thing that it's trying to evoke mm-hmm. as opposed to like just in the abstract, I want to make a cool strategy game. Like what are the rules I could make that are, mm-hmm. that are like, you know, conducive to the kind of game I want to make sports games have this really specific touchstone. Yeah. And so it also means you can be into sports games and not really care about other video games. And it's still mm-hmm. fine because totally. the thing you're connecting to is maybe less of like just the entire palette of gameplay and more, is, yeah, this thing I like. I mean, all this stuff I'm saying is super obvious, but right, right, I right. find it's like I find sports games really interesting, and I kind of wish I just had was more interested in actually playing them. I w- I've actually been thinking about picking up like a weird like a sports like that that kind of being my next game. Like a couple years ago during World Cup, I got I was like oh, I'm gonna get into FIFA, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been kind of like there was something that was so funny. It was on I was on Steam. It was like oh pro cycling manager. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen that. So I was I've like seen that on Steam. wait because I have a friend, my friend Josh who's super duper into pro cycling. He's not a cyclist. He doesn't really have, he doesn't own a bike, but super, super, like he went to France for the Tour de France and things like this, like super into pro cycling. Mm -hmm. And when you hear him talk about it, kind of like anybody who's an enthusiast about something and is articulate about why they like something, you kind of like start to like feed on his enthusiasm yeah, for yeah, you like sure. oh wow it is like incredibly deep and there is like mm-hmm. team politics and team strategy and it's not an individual sport that's why, we, that's why people who listen to idle thumbs buy all these stupid obscure yeah not so pc games well that's the thing like, that made me wonder i was like maybe <laughs> like obviously this game is about all those things that he yeah. connects with yeah maybe it's worth like i, I hovered over it for a while and said maybe yeah, right. maybe maybe yeah. this is the one that i uh-huh. pro cycling yeah. manager i wonder how much of like the like because Cycling's been so scandalized over the past ten years with blood doping and things like this. That I wonder how much, I wonder if any of that's in there. I, I bet it's not. If, not. if it's sponsored, it's not because there's, there's yeah, no for sure. If it's yeah, there's no pe- there's no like performance enhancing drug scandal <laughs> in my find, in that. You can find the blood doping in Pro Cycling Manager '94 on the Genesis, but they had to take it out the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's remember that when hockey games had fighting in them, and then there was oh my gosh, the fighting in Wayne Gretzky hockey, Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey, that wasn't a licensed game. That was 
a that wasn't connected with the NHL, but the fighting was really good in that game. Also, in Blade of Steel. Yeah, but they took that stuff out in like mid late nineties. No way. Their NHL games, like like late era Genesis NHL games, SNES, they took they took fighting out. I guarantee you, fighting's in now. I guarantee you, fighting is sanctioned by the NHL. They don't mind it. I, it I mean, they cool. say they mind it, but they like. I mean, there's a whole protocol for how long a fight's allowed to go. It's basically, like analogous, uh, analogous, analogous to blood doping though in the cycling management games. Fighting and having in, in hockey. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. I don't really follow the cycling or hockey scenes, but that's just my my take on <laughs> the situation. That's Jake's professional opinion yeah. as a commentator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Rob's. We should guy. pick a sports game and get into it. Let's do it. That'll right. be fun. Yeah, that's fun. Let's that. think about it. We get stream us being incompetent at some sports game. <laughs> yeah, maybe Sean probably being being decent at it. Oh, uh-huh. like so realistic summer sports simulator for the iPad. That's, <laughs> oh, that I choose realistic summer sports simulator. <laughs> game is so good. There, uh, three moves ahead. You know, like strategy game podcast. Um, they did an entire episode about uh, F1 stuff. And now Rob's really into F1. No, he has been for a long time. Oh, he that's has why been. They did it. Uh, yeah, okay. it wasn't be- that's, 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 yeah, it's that order of operations. Oh, okay. Sean was super into it, and thus they did that. Because it has nothing Rob, to do with strategy, yeah. really, although I think they kind of tried to make like half-hearted cases for why it's, <laughs> why it's a strategy thing. But it was interesting listening to that and hearing, I think it was Jen Frank who was also on the podcast, and I think she and Rob are both, like she's an occasional guest on Three Moves Ahead, and like yeah. she... If I'm misremembering, who no, no, it that's was it's it, it, yeah, no, I think that's who it is because I, I saw him retweet something from her yeah. about F1. She's like, oh, beautiful race, so well. Right. Like, well, and so there's <laughs> who is this girl who's into F1 with Rob? Well, she's, yeah. she's been on a number of three heads, yeah, yeah. and like, and uh, and so they're just super into that, and so they just decided to do an episode about it. And it was so weird listening to it, and it being so far outside of my frame of, res- of reference but hearing like the depth to which they understand that thing right you know i mean it, it is it was kind of a window into what it's probably like when we just bullshit about far cry 2 forever and the guy who just doesn't give a shit about that game is just like what the hell are they talking about why do they think this is good <laughs> yeah yeah but it was interesting uh it was uh yeah it was a weird choice for them to make because their podcast is about a specific right. thing well also three moves but- ahead is already that for a lot of people like three moves ahead <laughs> is the number one i don't really play a lot of or entirely understand in any deep way at least strategy and war games but i absolutely love listening to these guys talk about it because of that so then to have them go like a level deeper down of like so you thought you were going to listen to a really in-depth crazy strategy game discussion no we're going for an (laughs) f1 deep dive like what yeah but through the lens of of strategy right (laughs) yeah yeah what if a bunch of strategy gaming enthusiasts talked about formula one racing it well, probably it's is like red. When, it's like, like, when, like, you know, like when the New Yorker or whatever does like a graphic novel issue or something like that right. kind of thing. It's right. a little that's more related. But right, like, but like you're already reading the New Yorker. Yeah, but then you know, there's like some number of people who subscribe to the New Yorker or who subscribe to Three Moves Ahead. So like, who's like, what the what the fuck is this? Like, I have to deal with this for a week. Or, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> It's like, well, that's what people say when the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue shows up. They're like, <laughs> where's what? the fucking sports? This is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what they say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We're done. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks for supporting the Kickstarter campaign. This is the Kickstarter Progress Cast. Not a regular Idle Thumbs episode. We're, like, seriously on the verge of getting our rewards printed. Like, we actually mm-hmm. have finalized... All or almost all, I'm pretty sure. Like pretty yeah. much all of all the artwork. And you would actually have the game right now if a cool thing hadn't happened uh, that we'll talk about. Soon. Yeah. So a cool thing happened that meant the game took a little longer to come out, but will be better. So. Yep. Um, and yeah, we have the t-shirt final art ready, right? Yep. And t-shirts, t-shirts, stickers, stickers, pretty much ready. Yep. Um, Prints, all the art is ready to 
you mm -hmm. run. Yeah, we chose paper stock and everything. Yeah. Which also means that uh, if you haven't... Oh, no, yeah, the we deadline said, has passed. We for, said the last progress cast the last yeah. week was the last week to change your tier, and that is correct. Yeah. So, so if you... We had more people sneaking in some tier. If you have heard, done if you have heard from me, you're in. If you haven't heard from me... Yeah. So don't worry, there'll be a way to get cool stuff from us eventually. Also, don't just PayPal us money now and say, well, so I'm upgrading my tier. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Just we're done. You also wouldn't know where to send that yeah. money, which is the, fine. Do, do still contact us if you've moved since you filled out your yeah, survey. Definitely yeah, definitely do that. But, yeah. And that stuff is being sent out real soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep, we're going to go make a web page now. Bye! Goodbye. Bye. Games. It's Fourth of July. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> the Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs>